0: Jeremiah 31, beginning at verse 7. This is what the Lord says Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor, a great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will ransom Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden." and they will sorrow no more. Then maidens will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, right at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray to God as our Father. And one of the questions that they teach us in seminary to always bring to the text is, why? Why Father? Jesus has so many beautiful ways of approaching God. So why does he choose Father for the beginning of this prayer? It might surprise us who have grown up with the Lord's Prayer, but Father was not a conventional way to refer to God in Jesus' time. So why didn't Jesus choose something more conventional, like King? Just two lines down, we're taught to pray for God's kingdom. So why not begin the prayer as a prayer to our king, defying right off the bat the imperial claims of the powers of this world? Or why not Lord? In the Old Testament, the word Lord is a stand-in for the holy name of God. So why wouldn't calling God Lord fulfill the next line of the prayer, hallowed be your name? Or why not creator? This is the God who made the heavens and the earth, everything visible and invisible. So why not recognize God as such at the beginning of our most common prayer? Or why not simply God? Dear God. Why does Jesus ask us to pray to God as Father? The truth is, referring to God as Father is a little bit problematic. Even in the ancient world, referring to God as Father was more typical in pagan worship than in Jewish worship, the Jewish tradition that Jesus is speaking into in his ministry. Legends and myths of Zeus, the king of the gods, the god of the sky, often referred to him as the father of both gods and men. This was used so often to describe Zeus, that it became sort of an epithet, Father Zeus, or in the Greek Zeus Pater, imported into the Latin as Jupiter. And in the context of the Roman Empire, of course, language of fatherhood carried the baggage of the Roman imperial system of the paterfamilias. The idea that the man was the head of the house and held absolute power over everything and everyone in his household. The patria potestas, they called it. The power of the father. And by extension, of course, the the Roman emperor... Was the paterfamilias of the vast household of Rome, holding the power of life and death over each and every person who lived in the ever-expanding borders of his empire. The emperor was the pater patriae, the father of the fatherland. Now, today, of course, we don't live under the thumb of Greek paganism or Roman imperial law. But the title father carries baggage beyond that, of course. The ways men carry and wield and abuse power in our society makes it difficult for many people to use masculine titles when they speak of God. People whose fathers are abusive, whose fathers have abandoned them. I read a story just this week of a woman who fled her country to get away from her abusive father and moved to England, where she became a Christian. She was captivated and overwhelmed by the teachings of Jesus, but she could not bring herself to call God Father. The pain was too fresh, too real, too deep. By asking his followers to call God Father, it seems like Jesus is opening himself up to criticism. Pagan influence, imperial influence, Roman influence, a lack of empathy. So why does Jesus choose this title to address God? this title that's only used a handful of times in the Old Testament, but that Jesus uses time and time again throughout his teachings, throughout his ministry to refer to God. What is Jesus teaching us when he tells us to call God our Father? I actually want to start with what Jesus is not teaching us. And I feel like this is important because so many people have been harmed by mistaken ideas about what Jesus is teaching here. First, Jesus is not teaching that God is male. Jesus is not saying that God is a man. And it's kind of silly that we have to say this, but we do. Because throughout history, men have used this misconception as a way to claim power and authority from God for themselves. But throughout Christian history, pastors and teachers and theologians have consistently taught that divinity, the nature of God, is beyond our concepts of gender. God is not male. And that means that men are not more like God than women are. Men do not have inherent authority given them by God to rule over others. Scripture is clear that male abuse of power is a product of the fall, not of the creation. In Genesis 3, after the fall, God curses the serpent, the man, the woman, after the fall into sin. And part of that curse is that husbands will rule over their wives. As Christians who follow the resurrected Lord, who has defeated death and sin, we are called to break the cycle of that curse, not perpetuate it. And this refrain is constant throughout the New Testament's teaching on family. Submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Be considerate with your wives and treat them with respect. And do not exasperate your children. I like that one. I don't think my kids are old enough to be exasperated yet, but, you know. Actually, part of what Jesus is doing here, part of what Jesus is doing here in the Lord's Prayer, is redefining our concept of what fatherhood is. Inviting us to reimagine what it means to be a father. When we turn to the few passages in the Old Testament where God is referred to as father, passages that Jesus no doubt had in his mind when he referred to God with this word. We find some language that we might expect of earthly fathers, language of inheritance and protection and providence, like this passage from Jeremiah. But we also come against some language that grates against our cultural notions of masculinity and fatherhood. God is a father who gives birth to Israel. God is a father who suckles Israel at his breast. God is a father who cares for his children and nurtures them. God is a father who gathers his children under his wings like a mother hen. The God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, is a remarkably motherly father. What Jesus does here in this prayer, by inviting his followers to address God as Father, Jesus is inviting us into a special relationship of intimacy with God. Specifically, Jesus is inviting us into his special relationship of intimacy with God. Jesus invites us into the special relationship that he shares with the Father the relationship of love between the Father and the Son. Jesus invites us into communion. When we begin our prayer with the words, our Father in heaven, we root our entire relationship with God in the new identity that we have in Christ Jesus. We address God as Father because we are intimately united with the Son. And this means, as the Apostle Paul makes clear in his letters, that we are part of a new family, the family of God. One of the Apostle Paul's favorite metaphors for salvation is the metaphor of adoption. Because of what Christ has done for us, washing away our sins by the power of his blood, clothing us in his righteousness, giving us his Holy Spirit to strengthen us and his word to guide us, we are restored by these things to right relationship with God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are united with our risen Lord. And because of our union with Jesus, We are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God, heirs to the kingdom of God, and beneficiaries of the promises of God. And in this way, Scripture actually radically redefines our notions of what family is. And I think this is where those criticisms of referring to God as Father are really important because what Jesus is offering here in the Lord's Prayer is a corrective to abusive notions of fatherhood and family that oppress so many people. Because what Jesus offers us here in the Lord's Prayer is a bold claim at the beginning of this prayer that nobody but God is worthy of the title of father. Not Zeus or Jupiter, these idols of human imagination. Not Caesar, the emperor of Rome, a sad pretender to divine right who uses toxic masculinity to assert his power over the known world. Not even earthly fathers. Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 18, Do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. In a context where people were often kicked out of their families when they accepted the gospel and began to follow Jesus, our Lord says in Mark 10, No one who has lost their home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel Will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with their persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Notice what they aren't promised a hundredfold more of. Followers of Jesus are not promised a hundredfold more fathers because we only have one Father. Invite Jesus to your church to talk about traditional family values and you might get more than you bargained for. Earthly families may fall apart, but the family of God, built on the rock of Jesus Christ, will stand firm forever. Human families are built on the fragile foundation of genetic inheritance and legal right. But the family of God is built on the unshakable promises that God offers to us in our baptism. When Jesus invites us to call God our Father, he invites us to claim these promises as our own, just like these three did today in their profession of faith. He invites us to claim these promises of God to his people as our defining identity. Throughout the Old Testament, when God is referred to as Father, it is in the context of exile with the promise of deliverance. When the people of God are enslaved in Egypt, God gives Moses this instruction, Go to Pharaoh, he says, and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go, that he may worship me. Throughout the wilderness wanderings of his people, throughout the prophets, the context in which God is referred to as father is a context of exile. God is the father who delivers his children from slavery and brings them to the land of promise. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. The blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor, a great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father. And Ephraim is my firstborn son. People of God, when Jesus invites us to pray to God as our father, he invites us to expect an exodus, to expect that God will deliver us from sin and restore us to his kingdom. Jesus invites us to live in the light of this reality, living as though the kingdom has already come, even as we wander through the wilderness, living so that the will of God may be done in our hearts and in the world. Jesus invites us to eagerly await the promises of God, to celebrate the Passover in the wilderness, professing our faith in the promises of the Father who loves us, and claims us as his own as we wait with longing hearts to be led at last to the promised land. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said. Oh Lord our God, Father, we are overwhelmed by your promises, overwhelmed by the good things that you have in store for us that we have foretasted already in this life. We are overwhelmed that we have the privilege of being called your children. Father, we offer ourselves to you. We know that no one is more worthy of that name than you, our Father. Bless us, your children, so that we may be bold to come before you like little children, sure that you will give us everything that you have promised in Jesus Christ, our Lord.